0: Hello, my name is Andrew Gary and welcome to Seismic Soundoff, in-depth conversations in applied geophysics. In this episode, I speak with Joseph Puffinholes as he discusses the next trillion-dollar business and how the SEG Advanced Modeling Corporation Initiative, or SEAM, could play an essential role in its creation. In this exciting conversation, Joseph highlights why the oil and gas sector represents the best source to tackle industrial scale carbon storage, why he believes it's dangerous to leak carbon storage to the oil price, and how advanced simulations like Seem could ignite this trillion dollar business. This episode is sponsored by TGS. TGS offers a wide range of energy data and insights to meet the industry where it's at and where it's headed. TGS provides scientific data and intelligence to companies active in the energy sector. In addition to a global, extensive and diverse energy data library, TGS offers specialized services such as advanced processing and analytics alongside cloud-based data applications and solutions. To learn more about Seem and to read Joseph's article in The Leading Edge, visit scg.org slash podcast. Now for our conversation. Well, this is an exciting time for steam and and just talking about carbon capture and sequestration. So we're we're happy to have you here, Joseph. Let's kind of start there. You know why is carbon capture and sequestration important to achieving the climate goal that's that has been set out by the Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change? The
1: carbon capture sequestration has been, since the 2018 report uh, an integral part of the models and. Uh, doing the calculation it came out without sequestration and storage of co2 the goal to reach the 2 degree target would be 128% larger the uh, the cost would be 100, 138% higher and even that it seems if you, if you look at the calculation the assumption in in that calculation about energy uh, efficiency Gains and uh, the build-up of renewable energy—it seems uh, fairly optimistic. So I think that the need for storage might be even higher than indicated in the panel. And in, indicated in the panel, we have about 500 gigaton, which is uh, a, a, to be stored uh, at least uh, 500 gigatons, be stored until 2100. I mean, 80% of the energy so far still worldwide comes still from uh, oil and, and gas and coal. And um, that needs to be ramped down. But uh, for the foreseeable future, the next decades, we still will have uh, need oil production. So the oil production needs to be as efficient as possible and, and in terms of CO2. Uh, but also, uh, we need to uh, get rid of the CO2 in the air. And capture CO2. So that's why, so, and we need to do it in, in massive amounts, uh, 500 gigatons, that's about 10 gigatons a, a, a year, what we need to store, and that is uh, a huge increase in what we do so far in the last 20 years of uh, storage test sites.
0: So part of this, you know, is is the capturing the carbon and, and the next part is is sequestration, the, the storage part. Could you give us a sense of how much space in the Earth would be needed to store the required carbon to achieve these net zero emissions?
1: So for 500 gigatons of CO2 to store those in the Earth, 300 Kelvin and atmospheric pressure, one metric ton of CO2 occupies a cube, with side lengths of 8.2 meters. So 800 gigatons would occupy then a cube, which is side length of 65 kilometers. So 100 meters thick reservoir with 10% porosity would then have to have an extent of 5,300 kilometers by 5, 5,300 kilometers. So that looks pretty grim. However, CO two can be collapsed by a factor of three to four hundred if you have it under pressure, like eight hundred meters or deeper in the earth. The pressure is so high that it becomes uh, what's called a supercritical state, and in this case, five hundred gigatons has a volume that it can be stored in two thousand sites, each uh, six by six kilometer wide. So this is. Uh, hardly trivial, but it's not impossible either.
0: Yeah, that, that was a, a nice addition in the article about why carbon, as you mentioned in that answer, is kind of particularly well suited to being stored. And uh, another thing that I, I didn't really know until reading your article, you know, there are some limitations to enhanced oil recovery, which which also at the end does store some carbon as well. Could Could you just share... Briefly, what are some of the limitations that these enhanced oil recovery operations have in progressing as well towards these net zero emissions?
1: This, I think, is an important question. And uh, we are not right now discussing with people in the SDG who are interested in this, talk about this topic. Enhanced oil recovery, there is no doubt that it is uh, more efficient in terms of CO2 produced than conventional uh, oil production. So in that sense, it, it should be encouraged and should be done as much as possible. Right now, 80%, okay, those numbers are a little bit older. I don't know the, the, the very newest numbers in 2020, but in 10 years ago, it was 80% of the CO2 used in enhanced oil recovery was uh, CO2 not from anthropogenic sources, but from uh, subsurface sources. So they pump it out and then use it for, for for recovery. That, of course, is not what we are talking about here. We are using. Uh, we are talking about CO two from power plants, for example. So it is more efficient, but it is not really enough. Most of the the, the U R projects they are early in the in these stages, the early years of a project. They are carbon negative, but then become carbon positive meaning they're put out altogether more CO2 than it's put into the earth. There can be, if you do the correct reservoir engineering and gear it towards storage instead of the cheapest oil production, then in many projects you, you could make it a storage project. And, and that's all good and nice as, as far it goes. But in terms of the gigaton scale, So we talked about we need 2,000 sites. Right now, we have the largest sites, uh, which produce 95% of the uh, oil worldwide, that are 1,500 sites. So we are talking about 1,500, 2,000 sites to store CO2. And that cannot be done with EUR. We cannot make CO2 storage, I think, uh, dependent on oil production. Then there's the issue of oil price connecting with CO2. Uh It's complicated enough, but making uh, a CO2 storage, the gigaton storage we need to do dependent on the oil price, uh, I think is, is not the right way to go. The Parish project here in Houston, they have a billion dollar investment here to capture on the coal power plant. And it was shut down when the oil price for the receiving EOR project shut down because of the oil price. And uh, I spoke with a representative of, of the electrical company. They said, no, we are not interested anymore in uh, in EUR project because the f- financials are just too risky. But for the planning, for the gigaton scale storage, what we need to do, we need to learn how to bring a storage site online every week. And, and the uh, economic opportunities. If you look at... If you store a hundred gigaton and you get, uh, let's say, $10 for megaton stores, that's a trillion dollar business. So that's why I think this, the industry as a whole and the professional societies, SEG, AAPG and SCP, they should be working towards to develop this, this trillion dollar business, it seems to me and the uh, implications for for job creation for the members of the professional societies. I mean, if you have developed a storage site uh, uh, every week, I mean, yeah, in a trillion dollar business, uh, they are implied and they are fairly significant, I should say.
0: Yeah, I would think that is pretty enticing there. And you're talking about disconnecting maybe a little bit of oil and and the carbon sequestration and something like EOR, but, you know, given that, why why still do you think the oil and gas sector is such is the best place really to tackle this industrial scale carbon storage?
1: That it has to be the, the oil industry, of course, the public perception uh, is, is not the best. And that if I could uh, quickly uh, I could go back to the previous question, why linking EOR in the public eye to, to sequestration, I think uh, will not work out if the oil industry tells the public oh we have a solution to the climate crisis oh please do tell what is it oh the solution is to produce more oil i mean can you imagine the reaction that will not be uh, a, a, a very positive i think so i think to develop this trillion dollar business we need to to work on having the separate business portfolio which is sequestration in sandstone uh, aquifers where we have plenty and plenty of, of uh, volume to do this there's no doubt about that and really we need to learn how to do that rapidly but the oil and gas industry they are necessary to do that because what is needed to do it it is you need pipelines you need pumps you need drilling holes you need reservoir uh, monitoring all skills which is uh, resides in in the oil and gas industry. There's no other industry in the world which has uh, even comes even close uh, to do what what we are doing. So it seems to me there's a trillion dollar business waiting for us to to, to grab it, and uh, we should do it and and not follow the example of IBM and said, okay, opportunity not forty years ago hey, you want to be in the forefront of a trillion-dollar business? And IBSM in, uh, in essence, said, no, thanks, we are good, thanks, we are good. We have everything under control. We are making money as we go. And so I hope the industry can uh, learn to do new tricks. And, uh, I mean, it will be a tremendous opportunity for the industry, for the membership of the professional societies, And of course, for the world as a whole, because uh, as we said, we are burning up right now and uh, we need to get CO2 underground in, say it again, uh, 100 gigatons. I mean, right now, the projects uh, we have, we have tens of projects and they're putting in uh, typically a couple of megatons a year. So the scale of what we need to do is uh, really hundredfold, is not trivial at all. I mean, it's, it's a tremendous undertaking. But uh, to get there, we need to promote it. The industry needs to promote it, and we need to do the work. And that's what the Seem project is uh, helping uh, to do, hopefully.
0: Yeah, that's a, a perfect transition there. So, you know, you you've outlined sort of what what carbon capture sequestration is, and and how it can help us move forward, and and even kind of enticing the audience here with with this creation of a trillion dollar business and and Seem. You know, that's SEG Advanced Modeling Corporation. You all are working on, and, and it uses simulations. Uh, wh- why do you think something like SEAM through a new SEAM CO2 storage project would really be a, a good route to help address some of these challenges and help scale up what we need for carbon storage?
1: So that's a very good question. That, of course, i love to, to talk about this. This is what I've been working on for the last a year with a group of uh, fantastic volunteers to working out the the, the technical side of, of such a project. So why simulation? We, we have now, as I said, tens uh, of, of uh, field uh, a test project to test the concept of, of, of sequestration, and it works all fine. But the scale-up needed, as, as I mentioned before, we need to do this for one site a week, eventually. And we cannot do this, all the, the, the monitoring, which is needed, MVA, monitoring, verification and accounting. We need to do, to do this cheaply and, and accurately. And right now we don't have a really clear uh, concept or, or manual uh, to do this uh, efficiently. So again, we need to, like assembling line, uh, like the T model <laughs> in, in the Ford uh we need to develop something along those lines um and the simulation you can test the assumptions and 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 can, can test uh the effectiveness of all different uh, uh geophysical methods which would be too expensive to d- to do in 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 real uh life in the field so you have a, a a reservoir you do a model of the reservoir and then you you can test which f- geophysical measurements would be the most effective in your scenario to do uh, what you need to do for assessment of the uh, weather uh, to begin with and then for monitoring and verification and accounting and to make sure that you have to avoid the dangers which are inherent with uh, sequestration danger kind of uh, in, in it's not a real danger the, the real danger to public perception would be seismic slip. It's not would never be catastrophic, but uh, it could be a nuisance, and that would be uh, very bad for public perception of the whole process. So you need to learn how to pressurize the reservoir uh, safely without seismic slip, and you need to learn how to do this. And that can you can do with simulation, where you learn what are these the seismic responses, uh, the physical responses to your pressure increase. You simulate it and you simulate what seismic detection methods uh, can pick up on those and uh, how to pressurize uh, the reservoir, how to let up on on pressurizing and so on. So it will make it cheaper, it will make it quicker to assess uh, reservoirs. And that's what the theme project is hopefully developing methods to do exactly that.
0: You and know, this, you know, you you and Bill Abril and others are, are working on, on developing the SIEM CO2 project, but it can be can be fun to kind of think about the, the grand vision for it. So if you would please finish this sentence. If the SIEM CO2 storage project reaches its full potential for geophysics, it will
1: it will have developed the tools to rapidly assess uh, potential storage sites and has something of a manual for, for MVA, uh, Monitoring, Verification, and Accounting, using relatively cheap geophysical methods. That's about it in, in, in one sentence, what I hope will come out of it. And that will help, then, to uh, to move uh, if, it, if it goes there, we uh, you know there are political hurdles and so on, to, to the gigaton uh, the scale uh, storage. But the uh, uh, learning how to do the simulation, I think, will be integral to it.
0: If if a, a company wants to learn more about getting involved in, in this in this project, what is what is the best way to, to get started and to move forward on something like that?
1: They can uh, go to the SDG website, look at the Theme website, and Shelly Oakley, which is the uh, director, administrative director for Theme. she will... Uh, handle uh, all, all the questions and uh, send it to me and to Bill Ariel and happy to do that.
0: Well, that that is great. Uh, this, the last question here, you know, Joseph, you, you mentioned you're retired, you're working on this theme project and, and consulting, you know, what is, you know, for someone in the field uh, just starting or, or been in the field a while, what is one piece of advice you would offer someone that would like to succeed as a geophysicist?
1: You need to be sure yourself, what do you want to do? Do you want to do hands-on research, or do you want to go more into operations and and management? I think that's a decision, for for me, uh, that was kind of a, a big question sometimes. So when I stayed most of the time in research, and I enjoyed it tremendously, and I never regretted it, but I've seen people who went into management and uh, op- operations, but later regretted it because they really wanted to, to get their hands dirty on, on on working on the mechanics of, of a code and, and develop code and so on. So uh, I think to be happy, you have to to know what is what are your strengths and what is it really what what you would like to do.
0: That is that is great advice for anyone at any point in in their career. I appreciate you sharing that, sharing about this this scheme project. It's a really interesting article. It's the introduction to the June, The Leading Edge, and but it covers a lot more than just the special section. And We didn't even get into uh, what this, this special section is about in The Leading Edge and, and the preview you provide for that. So people will definitely want to check that out. There's a lot of good information in there. So thank you for writing that article and for spending some time speaking with us today about your work.
1: Thank you very much. Happy to do it.
0: Thank you for listening to SEG's flagship podcast, Seismic Sound Off. SEG produces these episodes to benefit its members, the geophysics community, and inform the public on the value of the science. To show your support for the show, please share this episode with a friend, colleague, or manager that would enjoy hearing this show. Your recommendation is the single best action you can take on behalf of SEG's podcast. To receive the latest episodes first, follow Seismic Sound Off on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or Google Podcasts. Original music by Zach Bridges. This episode was hosted, edited, and produced by me, Andrew Gary of 51 Features. The SEG podcast team is Ted Bacomgen, Kathy Gamble, Allie McGinnis, and Mick Sweeney. Thank you for listening. This is Seismic Sound Off, signaling off.